Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this special edition of The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We are following the messy, chaotic, first-time-in-a-century floor fight for the House Speaker's gavel. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy becoming the first majority party nominee for the speakership to fail on the first, and it appears second ballot, since 1923. The House clerk is trying to call the House to order. Let's listen in. Will the House be in order? The tellers agree in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 434, of which the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the State of New York has received 212. Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the State of California has received 203. The Honorable Jim Jordan of the State of Ohio has received 19. No person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. For what purpose does the gentleman from Louisiana rise? Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy for the position of Speaker of the House. The gentleman is recognized. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We all came here to get things done, to get big things done, to solve the problems. And I hope when we get through today that all of the members on both sides of the aisle will join together with us to solve the problems, to address inflation that is crushing middle class families, to get control over spending that's driving that inflation, Madam Clerk. Will the House be in order? And we all know what those problems are. We've been talking about them for a long time. We've been proposing legislation for a long time. In fact, it was Kevin McCarthy who put together task forces over a year ago to get members engaged in the process of not just talking about what we don't like, not just talking about what the problems are. We know what those problems are. But how do you fix those problems? And so we started rolling those bills out. We've attempted to bring bills on this floor to address inflation, to lower the cost of goods when families go to the grocery store and they can't even buy all the food they need for their families if they can find that food on their shelf. But those bills were rejected. If a family 
has trouble putting gas in the tank to make it to the grocery store because we've got such horrible energy policies under what President Biden's done to shut down American energy that families can't even afford to put gas in their tanks. And so we brought legislation to the floor to lower the cost of gasoline. And you know what? Those bills were rejected by the previous majority. And I use that term for a reason, previous majority, because we want a majority talking about fixing those problems, but we can't start fixing those problems until we elect Kevin McCarthy as our next speaker. And so what have we laid out? We've got bills just this week to start addressing some of those problems, to start addressing our energy insecurity that's been created when President Biden shut down American energy. There is absolutely no reason that we need to rely on foreign countries to produce our energy. We could produce it all here, cleaner, better, more efficient, and create American jobs in the process. Let's get those bills to this floor. How long have we been highlighting this open southern border? That's not just brought millions of people across our border. Kevin McCarthy's led delegations down to the border to show what the problem is. We know what the problem is. This president refuses to even admit the problem. It's kind of hard for the president to solve a problem when he doesn't even admit it's a problem. Yet let's talk about the numbers. Over two million people have come across our border illegally just last year. That's more than the entire state of New Mexico have come into our country illegal, and this president won't even admit it's a problem. Last year alone, we lost over 100,000 young people to deaths from drugs like fentanyl because we have an open southern border. Everybody should be appalled by that stat. The fact that more than 100 of our youngest, best and brightest kids are dead in America because of the fentanyl coming across of our open southern border. These are drugs made in China coming across our southern border and brought into every community in America. And it should stop. It has to stop, but it won't stop until either the president takes action, which he won't, or we pass legislation on the floor to fix those problems. But that doesn't start until we elect Kevin McCarthy as our speaker. We know what the challenges are. We've laid out solutions to these problems. It's sad to say these aren't problems that are very hard to fix because we weren't in this situation just a few years ago. But if the administration doesn't want to fix these problems, people call on us to do that. And it starts here in the people's house. Let's rise to this challenge. Let's meet the challenges that the American people sent all of us, not just the Republicans, not just the Democrats, but all 434, soon to be 435 of us. We can meet those challenges, but let's start by electing Kevin McCarthy as our next speaker. I yield back. For what purpose does the gentleman from California rise? Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Hakeem Jeffries. For unity in the Congress. has been recognized. For unity in Congress and progress in our country, Democrats are united behind Hakeem Jeffries. I recommend Hakeem Jeffries as our speaker. Thank you, Madam Clerk.
Let's just say the clerk is prepared to call the roll. The reading clerk is prepared to call the roll. For what purpose does the gentleman from Texas seek recognition? Seek place a name and a nomination, Speaker. The gentleman is recognized. So this is what the chamber looks like when we're actually debating and the bodies are in the chairs. How many times have we been down here giving speeches and there's not a soul in the chamber? Yet this is what it takes to get 440, 435 people in the chamber and have an actual debate. The American people are watching, and that's a good thing. What we're doing is exercising our rights to vote and have a debate and have a discussion about the future of this country through the decision of choosing a speaker. This is not personal. It's not. This is about the future of the country. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass $1.7 trillion bills that are unpaid for. They can just slide in $45 billion for Ukraine but not pay for it. $40 billion for emergency spending and not pay for it. 10% increase in defense spending. 6% increase in non-defense spending and not pay for it. And not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. That bill gets rammed through, and we know exactly how it gets rammed through. Because the defense world and the non-defense world come together and say, you know what, we're going to cut a deal, and we'll all go to the mics, and we'll all go give speeches, and the American people are the big losers. That's what happens. We know that's what happens. The Rules Committee sits up there and passes a bill, sends it to the floor, and we have no debate on the floor of this body. We haven't been able to offer an amendment on the floor of this body since May of 2016. The former leader and I have discussed this right here. That's true. But the fact is, this place has to change. It has to change. And the change comes by either adopting rules and procedures that will make us actually do our job, or it comes from leadership. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. We can't keep doing this. I'm going to sit here until we figure out how to stop spending money we don't have. I don't want any more empty promises. I don't want any more, oh, don't worry, trust us, we'll do it. I want to know that we're going to be able to exercise our rights as a member of this body to stand up for the American people and actually fix this country. And it's not going to happen when we use our men and women in uniform in defense and wrap ourselves around that and then spend more money that we don't have, weakening that defense, weakening our country in the process. But that's what we just did. Ladies and gentlemen, I am asking for us to come together and figure out how to solve these problems. And to do that, I'm going to do what I did my very first act as a member of Congress or as a congressman-elect and nominate Jim Jordan for speaker. Now, Jim has said he doesn't want that nomination, and Jim has been down here nominating Kevin, and I respect that. And again, I have no personal animus towards Kevin, and I've worked for the last two months to try to figure out how to get the rules to make this place better, and we've made progress. 
but we do not have the tools or the leadership yet to stop the swamp for rolling over the American people. Jim has been doing it. He has a track record of doing it. And for those reasons, I am nominating Jim Jordan from Ohio for Speaker of the House of Representatives. The reading clerk will call the roll. Adams. Adams. Jeffries. Adderholt. McCarthy. Aguilar. Jeffries. Alford. McCarthy. Allen. McCarthy. Allred. Jeffries. Amaday. McCarthy. Armstrong. McCarthy. Arrington. McCarthy. Auchincloss. Jeffries. Babin. McCarthy. Bacon. McCarthy. Baird. McCarthy. Balderson. McCarthy. Ballant. Jeffries. Banks. McCarthy. Barr. McCarthy. Barrigan. Jeffries. Bean of Florida. Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy. Beatty. Jeffries. Bentz. McCarthy. Barra. Jeffries. Bergman. McCarthy. Byer. Jeffries. Bice. McCarthy. Biggs. Jordan. Villaracus, McCarthy, Bishop of Georgia, Jeffries, Bishop of North Carolina, Jordan, Blumenauer, Blumenauer. Blunt Rochester, Jeffries, Jeffries. Bobert, 
Jordan. Bonamici. Jeffries. Bost. McCarthy. Bowman. Jeffries. Boyle of Pennsylvania. Jeffries. Brakeen. Jordan. Brown. Jeffries. Brownlee. Jeffries. Buchanan. McCarthy. Buck. McCarthy. Bouchon. McCarthy. Bazinski. Jeffries. Burchett. McCarthy. Burgess. McCarthy. Burlinson. McCarthy. Bush. Jeffries. Calvert. McCarthy. Kamek. McCarthy. Caraveo. Jeffries. Carbajal. Carbajal. Jeffries. Cardenas. Jeffries. Carey. McCarthy. Carl. McCarthy. Carson. Jeffries. Carter of Georgia. Carter of Georgia. Carter of Louisiana. Carter of Louisiana probably votes for Hakeem Jeffries. Jeffries. Carter of Texas. McCarthy. Cartwright. Jeffries. Jeffries. Kassar. Jeffries. Case. Jeffries. Kasten. Jeffries. Castor of Florida. Jeffries. Castro of Texas. Jeffries. Chavez de Reamer. McCarthy. Sherfulis McCormick. Jeffries. Chu. Jeffries. Cicilline. Jeffries. Siscobani. McCarthy. Clark of Massachusetts. Jeffries. Clark of New York. Jeffries. Cleaver. Jeffries. Klein. McCarthy. Cloud. Jordan.
So let me uh, break in uh, for the third time today on this third ballot, uh, because it appears with this fifth vote for Congressman Jordan to be speaker, Congressman McCarthy, the Republican House leader, has again, now it's six votes for Jordan, has again uh, set himself up uh, to not be elected speaker. Uh, McCarthy could only afford to lose four House Republican votes. He has already lost six. This is the third ballot. Uh, in the previous two, Cole. he won nine. He was def- def- um, opposed by 19 Collins. House Republicans on the first ballot and the second ballot, and it McCarthy. appears again it will be Cumber. on the third ballot. Uh, let's go to CNN's Lauren Fox on Capitol Hill right now because she just spoke with the man of the hour, uh, Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, Jeffrey. who um, is looks appears right now to be headed to another defeat in his attempt to be uh, House Speaker. Uh, Lauren, what does Leader McCarthy have to say? Yeah, Jake, I mean, he's remarkably upbeat for someone who is now on his third ballot for this speaker vote, knowing that there may not be an end in sight for him getting this job tonight. But here's what he told us. He said, we we will stay in it until we win. And he said he does expect that the votes will eventually change. And I really pushed him on this, as did some other reporters in this scrum, asking what is going to change, what circumstance is going to change, how are you going to convince Republicans? He just said, I know the path. And then he entered the House floor and he was told by another colleague, Representative McCall, to stay strong. It just really paints this picture right now of someone who doesn't really have a clear path to the speakership, but is certainly putting on the facade that there is some kind of way forward here. And I think that confidence that he's trying to project right now is part of why allies say they are going to be with him this ballot, the next ballot, however long it takes. They feel like they are going to be sticking with McCarthy until he decides that he no longer is in this fight. Jake. All right. Well, I guess we'll see about that. Uh, let's uh, talk about this with our, our panel. Um, we have uh, Jonah Goldberg, the editor-in-chief of The Dispatch, uh, also a CNN political uh, commentator uh, joining us right now. Uh, Jonah, what's your take on all this? Um, it kind of has like, same, you ever see the movie Tin Cup? Yeah. <laughs> Where at the end, he like swings 19 times for the, uh, to win the tournament when he can't win it after the second swing. As it feels a little bit like that. I do think there's a little bit of a inflation of the importance of this. There are no grand issues here. Kevin McCarthy's not Zelensky or Churchill or anybody. Part of what makes this such a schadenfreude spectacle is that it's really just about the smallness of Kevin McCarthy. And the people who oppose him, I, one of the things that, as a conservative that really frustrates me with coverage on all the networks is everyone keeps referring to the Freedom Caucus types who are opposing him as the conservatives, as the hardcore right. right. They're nihilists. I mean, look, I mean, Chip Roy is an actual conservative. Right. But most of these guys are just performative people. Matt Gates is a human literate. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, a lot of this is really just, uh, you know, angels on the head of a pin kind of like we're going to have a speaker by the end of the week and it'll probably be either Kevin McCarthy. By the end of the week. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look, I mean, like, like, but like everyone's talking about how America is watching this. America is much more concerned about like what's going on with the NFL. Can I just push back on that for a second? Because I I agree with you. This is obviously the minority of a minority and they are trying to do one thing and one thing only, which is disrupt. It's not about spending. I, th- I, I, I do think but, Chip Roy wants to change the rules. Okay, so, uh, but, but generally Chip, okay so let's, okay. for, for the sake of this conversation, story. we're taking <laughs> yeah. this Edwards. Chip Roy out of this conversation. But isn't this actually an illustration and uh, indicative of what is happening more broadly nationally with the Republican Never. Party? Not that 
there aren't true conservatives and, and authentic Republicans That's who believe lot. in that credo. But that they are being hijacked time and time again, election after election, by this minority because that's that's who comes out and votes in primaries and so forth. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with that. You know, we've heard this phrase, you know, which defies standards and practices of a S show or whatever. Let's just call it a fecal festival, yeah. right? It is that, right? It is a it is a hot mess, and um, uh, and and I think that's true, and it is symbolic of, of the mess of the GOP. But but look at the people who are opposed on opposite. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene versus Lauren Boebert. Right. I mean, like, Taylor Greene is the voice of reason here. Yeah, I mean, like. That puts me in the whole Kissinger Iran-Iraq war kind of position. I mean, there's <laughs> neither side to root for in that kind of thing. It's, so I agree with you. It, this is all the detritus of the Titanic, Titanic-type mess that Donald Trump delivered on the GOP, mm-hmm. and it's representative of that. But in the long run, no speaker is going to have the ability to actually do big things and govern in a serious way with only a five-vote well, you know, lead. This is why, I, I mean, Chip Roy's speech nominating Jim Jordan is so puzzling because he's talking about all these big, grand ideas. He wants Washington to stop running over the average American people. But how is that going to be accomplished with Jim Jordan as a speaker who still has the same five-vote problem that uh, Kevin McCarthy would have? And then on top of that, Jeffrey. Kevin McCarthy has basically said, hey, you guys do whatever you want. And so, I mean, to me, it seems like Kevin McCarthy, Chip Roy said this is a personal. It does seem personal. It seems personal in the sense that they don't think they can trust McCarthy. Right. For whatever reason, I think the, 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 it's, the, it's the thing about selling shares of himself. Well, back when he was working for Boehner, he was doing one thing, then it was the Trump thing. He's been on all sides of all different issues. I, I just want to interrupt for one second because uh, at the top of the hour before we started at four, I interviewed uh, Congressman uh, Byron Donalds from Florida, Republican, very conservative Republican, who had voted for McCarthy on the first ballot and then voted for McCarthy on the second ballot, but seemed very uh, uncommitted to him on the third ballot. He just wants somebody who's going to win 218 votes. Kind of like the point you're making, Jonah, that at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's like the old saying about why politics in academia is so vicious because the stakes are so small. Like there really is not that much of a difference between a Speaker Jordan and a Speaker McCarthy, theoretically. And Donald's just voted for Jim Jordan. He just voted for Jim Jordan. So what we are going to likely see at the end of this vote is McCarthy losing support. We already have one, but one individual, Congressman Donald's, switching from McCarthy to Jordan. So Jordan will have, theoretically, 20 votes, if not more. It's a massive warning sign for Kevin McCarthy. The fact that he's not only not even just maintaining the number that he had, Byron Donald switching his vote to Jim Jordan is a really significant matter. And I was just talking to one of the the Republicans who is vowing to block McCarthy. They said they believe they're going to continue to grow. We'll see what happens, but that is... Probably the worst thing that Kevin McCarthy could see happen to him in this third vote right now. Well, and Jake, I will say it's really interesting that he came on with you and basically previewed exactly what he was going to do before he went back to the floor and actually did it. And he did say uh, in that interview that he told Jim Jordan that he was impressed with the speech that he had given uh, on the House floor. And it does seem to crack open the possibility that, again, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about this today. And Dana, I mean, there would have been a time when I would have absolutely agreed with you when you said there's no way Jim Jordan can get 218 votes. I just wonder if the House conference hasn't shifted, the House Republican conference hasn't shifted so much 
that now it is possible. No, I, I think it's unlikely. Agreed. I, I think nothing in this scenario is a no way <laughs> because well, we don't know what's going enough. to happen. But- Let me just uh, go to Manu Raju, uh, who has more on this um, crack in the dam, uh, as it were, uh, the fact that Congressman Byron Donald's Republican of Florida uh, has now changed his vote from Kevin McCarthy to Jim Jordan. Manu, uh, are we reading too much into it to, to think that this is a canary in a coal mine? Not to well, switch metaphors, but I just did. Well, this is a real concern for Kevin McCarthy because it may not just be Congressman Donalds. It could be others as well. I just spoke to Congressman Ken Buck. He is a member of the House Freedom Caucus. He is someone who is supporting Kevin McCarthy. He's someone who has been in talks with those Freedom Caucus members. He said he believes it is more likely that there will be more McCarthy supporters who decide to vote against him. He does not believe it is more likely that those Republicans who are now backing Jim Jordan will somehow vote for McCarthy. He says if this drags out, it is more likely that McCarthy is going to continue to lose votes. That is a major warning sign if for Kevin McCarthy, if he continues to go in the wrong direction, what does strategy does he take? Does he change his strategy in any way? Because his hope had been to change the grind these opponents down, eventually force these members to come his way. That does not appear to be what is going on at the moment. And that will only embolden this flank, this conservative bloc of members. Bob Good, one of those members, told me that he does expect the uh, the support for Jim Jordan to grow. And so we'll see if that happens. If he gets more than 19 votes on this round, there are 12 votes and counting. He appears likely to get more than 19. That means that the Repu- those members are not going to change their view here. One of them, also Andy Biggs, who challenged McCarthy on that first ballot, just told me moments ago that he is still a no. He still plans to vote against McCarthy. So McCarthy has done little to win over those skeptics. And in fact, they may be going in the opposite direction, which means this could go on for a long time unless one of those candidates, namely McCarthy, drops out, something he says he is not going to do. But just to to clarify, Manu, Ken Buck, Congressman Ken Buck, who, who a lot of us thought was a no vote on McCarthy when the day started, but ultimately voted for Kevin McCarthy on ballot one and ballot two, even though he is saying he thinks it's likely McCarthy is going to lose votes going forward. He, he did not he did not switch votes. He still voted for McCarthy on the third ballot, correct? Yeah, that, that's what it sounded like to me when I was listening to the vote tally right now. So it, it appears that he is still holding with McCarthy at the moment. And that is the big words here, at the moment. If this goes late into the night, stretches on, on and on, Republicans are going to start looking for an alternative, a different way to get around it. But again, it is unclear exactly what that is. There really is no consensus candidate that can bridge the differences between the two wings of this very divided Republican conference. The question will be, it will really be up to McCarthy. If he stays in this race, it's going to be difficult to get to 218, anyone to get to 218. If he bows out, perhaps that can change. But that is not in the cards at the moment. McCarthy supporters are pushing forward, even if he may be losing votes here in his key third vote. All right, let's go to Anderson. Uh, Anderson? Jake, thanks very much. Uh, back with the team here in New York, David Axrod. I mean, what I, I keep asking the same question, but what is the next step? Well, here? they keep doing the same thing. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> I, I just think that um, at some point, as I said earlier, uh, there are people, responsible people who are supporting McCarthy who are going to assess the situation, and they're going to go to him, and they're going to say, listen, we love you. Uh, it may not be fair, but you're not going to get there, and we need to find somebody who possibly can, because... Um, you're saying responsible people in 
Congress. In his, member, in in his, his caucus. Yeah. Yeah. In his caucus who are supporting James. him. I don't, as, as, as Charlie and Alyssa said earlier, I don't see the group that's opposing him uh, relenting. Uh, you know, the, the, the nihilists, as Jonah called them, have less inclination to kind of compromise in the interests of the institution uh, than, uh, than McCarthy's group. So, you know, I just don't th- I don't believe people are, you know, McCarthy said, I'll we'll go a record number, which is 100 and whatever ballots. No one's going to tolerate that. McCarthy. And at some point, you know, Johnson he, he, he is going to have to stand aside, not because he McCarthy. wants to, but because others Johnson demand that he do. Yeah, I, I mean, at some point, it, this isn't about McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy anymore, right? It's Jordan. about the party. It's about the institution. McCarthy. It's about the business of the country. Joyce and of I think um, Byron Donalds, who had been McCarthy. a McCarthy vote, who switched Joyce to Jim Jordan, he telegraphed it. And I think he's telegraphing uh, the feelings of a lot of Ken those uh, only Kevin people who are probably starting to get a little squishy at this point because Kevin Jeffries. is sounding in some ways like a nihilist Hunter. himself, right? That he's going to go until the bitter end. Jeffries. It doesn't matter. I'm going to win. I don't really have a plan, but it's going to work out. And so McCarthy. I think he isn't getting more popular as this he. goes on. And I think the Bi- Bi- Byron uh, Donald's switch uh, might pretend what we're going to see in further rounds. I don't know that, that Byron was was ever an only Kevin. I'll, I'll, I'll leave McCarthy. that to someone else to fact check, but he Kelly is a very conservative member of the House. McCarthy. He, you know, aligns himself Lana. with Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And so, Jeffrey. frankly, it's natural for him to not be voting for Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. And I think you'll, you'll, you'll first start to see members of the House Freedom Caucus who did vote for Kevin on the first few Kevin ballots begin to, to shift their allegiance McCarthy. to another person. I mean, there are many more out there who Kevin. are members of the Freedom Caucus yeah. who did vote for McCarthy in my shift. And, and, then, and then that support for Kevin. someone else will extend outside of the House Freedom Caucus. I, I will also say this. Listening to Steve Scalise nominate <laughs> Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy, I was once again left thinking oh, to myself, here was another speech that didn't really extol the virtues of the person being nominated. Yeah. Uh, and, and There's it, a pattern here. It, yeah. I, think, I think it just, auditions. It just, it just <laughs> speaks to the fact that Kevin, unfortunately for him, does not inspire faith. Listen, again, there are plenty of members of the House Democratic Caucus who will have disagreements with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi or Hakeem Jeffries, for that matter. But they could give you a long list of reasons as to why they'd be nominating Jeffries. them that are specific to their personalities, their accomplishments, their values. That's unfortunately not taking place today. Well, McCarthy's starting to feel a bit, I alone can fix it. Um, There is certainly an appetite with the moderate flank in the House Republican conference to really stare down the right flank. But that's only going to go so far. Like if McCarthy's showing on a third ballot, he's probably going to lose more votes to Jim Jordan this time. There is going to be a moment where cooler heads prevail and they have to start thinking about who it is and have that conversation. Otherwise, they leave the door open for more maneuvering by the rightmost flank. Um, and, and again, I mean, you, you made this point McCarthy. well, is this we're not talking about big ideas here. This isn't, you know, we want to solve the border crisis. We want to do X, Y, Z. This is really a process argument. And it's a, you know, really Kevin McCarthy trying to pursue McCarthy. his highest ambition. And at a point, folks are going to get tired. At, at, you know, the, the chaos Jeffrey. caucus, and I hate to admit this, is winning Marson right now. They're holding their breath waiting for everybody else to turn blue. Uh, The challenge is they understand leverage, the power of five. Now they have 19 or 20, so they have more than they need. And that's all they can do. And and they have no problem taking this thing to the brink. They live for this. Now, at some point, the adults in the House Republican Caucus or conference are going to have to stand up, as David said, 
and they're going to have to have a conversation with Kevin McCarthy. How long do we want this bloodletting to go on that is damaging the institution, uh, the Congress, the country, uh, and the party? Uh, so I think they have to have that conversation. The thing. When they, do they have it? They do have leverage McCarthy. right now. As long as these votes are going on, they have leverage. And But they've won all the battles that they are going to win. They've basically won all the battles already. And the only thing that will satisfy them now, it seems to me, is someone other than Jeffries. Kevin McCarthy. But does all this happen have to happen in real time? McCarthy. I mean, uh, again, the search for somebody else, whether it's Steve Scalise or somebody else, and McCarthy. then the deal-making that that person would have to Jeffries. do with, Lou. I guess, to shore up their support. Or is it, Jeffries. okay, they, cooler heads prevail, they decide to take a break Jeffries. for uh, several days and Lauren reconvene? Hill. How does yeah, that... I, I mean, even clear to me, uh, you know, for, so, for the, the sort of hardliners in, in the 20, McCarthy. how interested are they in Luke some of Meyer. these deals? Is that just sort of a figment for mm. what they're really after, Luna. which is McCarthy's defeat, right? Um, so th- that's just unclear to me. Folks, I mean, do they really care um, about these rules changes? It's not personal when they're right. talking about Kevin McCarthy. It, it's personal. Mm-hmm. I, Charlie and I were there in 2015. There were letters passed making allegations McCarthy. about his personal life to deny him the Lynch. speakership. It's been personal for many years. And the fact Jeffries. that he thought he could overcome that, it, it's a d- dramatic miscalculation by Kevin McCarthy. Here's, here's, a, here's a novel McCarthy. thought. H- how about maybe Magazine electing the uh, temporary Jeffries. speaker? Somebody who, with a time certain they could come around, uh, coalesce around somebody for a period Man. of a few weeks. Uh, to, maybe the reality anyway. Yeah, I mean, until they can actually agree on who the permanent speaker will be. Uh, I mean, some, some something like that. Um, conditional speaker. For well, if you want to send somebody like Tom Cole, you really if you really want to send a message that you can govern, that's not a great way to do that. But I mean, it's better, but it's we can govern-ish. It's better than this. There was some great symbolism that the Democrats, unfortunately for my party, are taking advantage of, which is every time that Hakeem Jeffries is nominated. They all stand up and cheer and McCarthy. say, hey, look, we've got our stuff together. So the juxtaposition it's creating is a Republican Party in utter disarray. Well, the Democrats, I mean, McCall. every time now, Hakeem Jeffries is, is outperforming McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. If that's McClain. not a sign we need to put a different Republican up, I don't know what it is. Well, the Democrats McCarthy. are milking this because normally it's like herding cats with them. So <laughs> yeah. they're just happy to be in this position for one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're relishing uh, this moment and rallying Jeffrey. around uh, Hakeem Jeffries. And, and, and I, I do think there is a deep McCormick. level of respect respect and love for Hakeem Jeffries in a way that there just isn't for, uh, for uh, Kevin McCarthy. Well, McCarthy. You know, you asked the question earlier, Anderson, whether this McCarthy. has to play out in real time. And I think the answer is Jeffries. yes. I mean, if, if your project... I was really asking that for my own sake. <laughs> <laughs> now that I reflect Anderson, like everyone else, is, is very hungry. <laughs> but if, if, your proje- if, if your project is to, to remake the Republican Party in, in the way that these nihilists want, Jeffries. then it has to play out Ming. in humiliating fashion. Jeffrey. for the guy who represents or at least has been characterized as part of the problem. But there is this tail that wags the and dog Pume. element of this. They, they, they don't are. represent large numbers of uh, Republicans, but they're using their leverage, Miller, as Illinois. they do in primary elections, to push the party in a direction that Jordan. really damages the party's chances in a general yeah. election. We're watching the historic vote for House Speaker, which looks to be headed for a fourth round for the first time in 100 years. You're watching Miller, CNN's coverage on a special edition of The Lead. We're back in a moment. McCarthy. Miller of West Virginia. We are watching this dramatic vote for House Speaker. 
We still have absolutely no idea how this will end. Republican leader McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy appears to Perez. be on his way to falling short of the necessary 218 votes. He needs to win Perry. the speakership for the third time today. This has not happened since 1923. I'd love to get the perspective from former Peters. Republican Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler uh, joining us now. Uh, Congresswoman, Peterson. thanks so much for joining us. Today was your last yes. day in office. Uh, mm-hmm. Just for those people who weren't familiar with your race, you voted to impeach Donald Trump. He opposed Phillips. you in your primary. Uh, that gentleman, uh, Congress, or wanted to, uh, Congressman Wannabe uh, Joe Kent, uh, defeated you in the primary and then lost yep. in the general election. Uh, you are one of the many examples of someone who would be in Congress right now if Donald Trump hadn't interfered in your primary and uh, backed uh, a guy who couldn't win in the general. People have been hearing about this for a while. So I'll get to that in one second. But what is it like watching this chaos? Jeffries. Oh, it's, it's sad. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. No one wins when the elected leaders cause unnecessary drama. I I feel like the American people have been through a lot of drama in the last several years. And so when this kind of thing unfolds, there's no purpose for it. There's not gonna be something good that comes of it. And so it just makes me sad, makes me heart sick. Makes me think about my colleagues who are on the floor right now, who are good people, who are probably frustrated to no end, just thinking, I worked my tail off to get here. I just wanna do this job. Can we get on with it already? So of the 10 House Republicans who, who voted to impeach Donald Trump after the insurrection, uh, only two are back in Congress. Everyone else either retired or was defeated uh, in their primaries. Uh, no doubt uh, those 10 would be in the McCarthy column right now. But is that not relevant to what's going on here, to uh, extremes in the Republican Party gaining uh, power, gaining a voice? I mean... I, I think there could be some relevancy, absolutely. I think extremes on both sides right now are Boy. really wagging the dog. I remember the last swearing in, I remember having a really frustrated conversation with Steny Hoyer because they had flown, because they had to be present to vote, and Pelosi demanded everybody be there to get her votes across, to get across yeah. the finish line. And, you know, people with COVID showed up, and I was so mad about that. And then I, I was thinking about this morning when I was watching this whole thing unfold now with the Republicans. It's just drama. And I think that the extremes, who still only represent a minority of the party, are but they have this outsized uh, platform, and it's it's ridiculous. I had to kind of smile after one of the last votes, thinking, "Well, great, now the you know these nutsos only have to convince like 198 more Republicans to come their way. They're just not going to do it. There may be some shift, but the reality is." The majority of the Republican conference is not going to give in to these demands. So it's really, I guess we have to walk through this. And I say we as a country, not, you know, (laughs) me as private citizen, right, a part of this. But this is, it's not helpful in any way. If anything, I would argue it hurts whatever their cause is. So one of the things that that strikes me about watching the House Republican conference change over the last few years is that. You have the extremes, the Matt Gateses of the world, the Gosars and Boberts. Uh, but then you have a lot of House Republicans who have kind Jeffries. of acquiesced and played along with Jeffries. things that they normally Bolton. wouldn't have, largely because of, of Donald Trump, uh, who was, uh, you know, at the time for four years president, and then also, of course, just a force in the Republican Party. Um, you saw this firsthand. Your relationship with Kevin McCarthy fractured. He told you about 
his call with Trump Pardon the me. day of the insurrection, almost two years ago Austin today. Scott. Uh, and Trump had refused to call off the rioters from the Capitol. And then Trump said something to Kevin McCarthy, like, maybe they care more about this than you do, Kevin. Uh, And Kevin Kevin McCarthy wouldn't share that conversation. And then reportedly, you know, you told the story. And reportedly he got mad at you. And then McCarthy pops up at Mar-a-Lago. How much of the chaos of the witnessing? I got to tell you, this feels like we're going into, where are are you going here? My my point is, like, how much do you think Kevin McCarthy is responsible for this Jeffrey. madness by acquiescing. I, we talked to Congressman Dave Joyce earlier. Jeffrey. He says that a lot of what's going yeah. on right now can be traced back to McCarthy Jeffrey. two years ago, kind of going along Simpson. with this stuff. McCarthy. You know, I think it, it's a fair question. I don't know uh, is the answer, but I, I do have to have some of the same, same questions, right? Um, I have kids. I have three little kids, and I'm learning as I go. (laughs) Would you put your foot down? Uh, Sometimes you get better results than not, and you have to apply that here because I feel like there are some people acting like toddlers on the floor. Um, Maybe that is a better way to have handled this, but maybe not. You know, I have noticed that some of these folks cannot take yes for an answer. Um, You know, I heard one of the people on the floor talking about uh, trust, trust, can't trust, can't trust, right? And I remember just thinking, well, (laughs) so so maybe there isn't the – I cannot believe that how much personal agency these members are choosing to give up on the House floor. I, I always believed that you should, you align with the team, right? You pick a team. Um, Republicans, you pick a Democrat. But I never gave my voting card to the speaker or to the leader. In fact, I paid a price at times. and not just talking about impeachment. There are other things where I crossed kind of the will of where the leadership was. But there's always this respectful McCarthy. understanding that I have to represent my district. And I hear these guys talking about how McCarthy. Kevin has to do this for me. I need this and I need this from him. And I can't trust him. And I'm just thinking, what, what kind of leader are you in your district McCarthy. that you can't, um, you know, all these people are talking about how they don't like the swamp. And they don't like Kevin being in the leadership Stevens. of the swamp. And I, for people yeah. who are anti-swamp, they make a whole lot of backroom Stewart. deals that are not in consensus with Republicans that are there in the House. I I just feel like they're operating under this double standard that um, at some point, I do think it's going to be the members, the other Republican members, who you see it now, you see them pushing back, you see them saying, you know, you're not speaking for me. I think more of that will come and more needs to come. But this is their moment. I mean, this is this is their big chance to make headlines, to put out tweets, to build their social media narrative. They're probably not going to get as much more of that moving forward, so they're going to take it for all it's worth. Yeah, one of our panelists, Jonah Goldberg, referred to Congressman Matt Gates as a human Twitter account um, just a few minutes ago. (laughs) And this this gets into one of the things that I... Highly makeup one. Very highly makeup one. But but, but one of the things that's curious, you know, so you and I were talking about how it was literally 100 years ago, 1923, that the Congress, that the uh, Speaker of the House was reelected on nine ballots. And I was reading in a newspaper from 1923, just a few minutes ago, about why that rebellion happened. And it was uh, because, A, there was a very narrow majority, and B, because they wanted to, it was like some rules changes that seemed actually perfectly reasonable about wanting more amendments on the, on the floor of the House and less legislation done in committee, et cetera, et cetera, which is what you hear from Chip Roy. Um, so maybe he's an exception to the, the, the yeah. gross generalization I'm about to make, which is, I don't know what these rebels stand for. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, no. No, and that's a, I, I do like your distinction Titus. about Chip Roy, um, and I, I would agree. So this is one of the frustrations, and I've read it in accounts. They keep saying, well, Kevin didn't give us enough soon enough, which 
if my kids talk to me that way, I would push back and say, well, where's your own? <laughs> Take some responsibility for yourself. But they keep saying, you know, he didn't agree to this. He didn't agree to this. As I've watched this whole thing up, up until this last week as a member, you know, they put together, um, they, they couldn't even say exactly what their ideas were, and they moved. Every time Kevin would come to the table on them, they'd move. They'd shapeshift. Like, I know the 72-hour requirement for having a bill posted before it goes to the floor. That's a great requirement. He moved on that. I mean, he's even moved on the motion to vacate, which was, they said, their number one issue. But I read again just yesterday, well, that wasn't far enough. That wasn't far enough. And so I feel like the goalposts keep moving. So at some point, I think they're even squandering whatever point they're trying to make because they're not coalescing. They just can't take yes for an answer. Yeah. And again, this doesn't reflect poorly on the American people. This reflects so poorly on the institution, which is a disservice to us all. I wish they would just take yes for an answer and move forward and live to fight another day. That's the other thing. The whole point of legislating is you have to get people to agree with your ideas or you don't move your ideas forward, which means you work hard in committee. It means you offer amendments. It means you go talk to people that disagree with you on the floor. You bring ideas. You work an issue. You don't grandstand in Twitter. You don't win these fights on Twitter. I wish they would understand that. So the... um it's interesting that you say that because you're right. The 72-hour rule that they requested, which is that you don't just vote on a bill immediately, you get, you know, you have 72 hours. That's a perfectly reasonable request. Mm-hmm. But then we heard Absolutely. Kevin. We heard Kevin McCarthy the, today talking about his meeting with, I believe it was Congress members uh, Perry, Boebert, and Gates, in which they were basically, according to McCarthy's characterization, basically saying. I want to be on this committee. I want to be this chairman. I want this budget for the committee. I want this. I want that. And it was, and it was a, in his McCarthy's characterization, they wanted special treatment for their votes. Yeah, favors. But, and, and as you note, that's pretty swampy. That's not exactly. I would say that's, a, that's the definition of swampy. So they're not even taking issue with the other, you know, the, the loyal opposition's issues. They're literally doing that at the expense of honest, hardworking uh, members of their own conference Jeffries. who've been Boy. working hard, doing everything Jeffries. they can to get on committee, to, to, to do it the way that is respectful and professional, which Jeffries. is, you know, you lay out your plans, you go make Boy. your point to the chair, you talk to the steering committee Boy. members. It's like, it's really Boy. almost Boy. lazy Boy. to expect, or, or it's very tantrumy Boy. to throw this down and say, well, if I don't get this, I mean, this is an adult professional world, despite what many of your viewers might think. Wow. It is actually a very professional institution. McCarthy. And when they do this kind of thing, um, boy, I, 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 my hope is that Kevin doesn't give in to him on that. Because it, what it sends is a message to the whole rest of the conference who have been working hard and who are honestly fighting for their constituents that they have to take a back seat. Um, yeah. Which is inappropriate. One la- it's, it's just ridiculous. One last question for you, um, Congresswoman. And I, I, I do hope that we get you back on the show because I got a lot of questions for you about all sorts of stuff, including what you want the direction of the Republican Party to be. Um, it does look like Kevin McCarthy is uh, on his way to his third defeat of the day. Do you think he deserves to be speaker? Does he have a set of principles and beliefs that, that you could rally behind if you were in Congress right now? I do think he's worked harder than anybody else to do it. That's the other thing that's been frustrating me is you look at, you know, Jim, you look at Matt Gates, who helped us lose seats, right? <laughs> um, and then you look at the only person who has spent the hours on the road going to the districts, raising money, sitting down with people, doing events. And really, that's Kevin. Whether people agree or disagree with every policy point he makes or not, 
that's fine, but he's put the work in. And that's what frustrates me is why would anybody ever do that again? Why would anybody help raise the money to put the ads on TV to get the message out? Uh, why would anybody else ever, ever work hard for that if, um, if all of it comes down to this kind of social hostage taking that this small minority is doing? McCarthy. And again, it, it's just bad precedent for the institution. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us. Hope to have you on uh, again uh, sometime soon. Thank you so much. We are watching this historic fight for the House thank speakership, you. which appears to be headed for a fourth round since 1923. Kevin McCarthy looks like he's headed for his third Gomez. defeat of the, de- of the day, a proverbial hat trick. You're watching CNN's live coverage of a special edition Elite. Stay with us. We're going to squeeze in this quick break. Jeffries. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. For the first time since 1923, that is 100 years, the vote for House Speaker has gone to multiple ballots, leaving Republican leader Kevin McCarthy without enough votes to secure his dream job, at least as of the third ballot, which ended a few minutes ago. How long will rebellious Republicans drag out the vote or end up with a new candidate? Let's bring in one of the now 20 rebellious Republicans, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas, a member of the House Freedom Caucus, nominated Congressman Jim Jordan for the speakership on the third ballot. Uh, Congressman Roy, thanks for joining us. Um, You have been pretty vocal about your opposition to McCarthy to be speaker. You nominated Jim Jordan this third round. You voted for Byron Donaldson the first run. You do seem a little different from some of your other rebels, though, in that you seem actually focused on a set of principles and rule changes that you want to see enacted as opposed to having a personal animus against Kevin McCarthy. Um, do you agree with that assessment or no? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I think that's pr- pretty close to correct. I would take some issue with saying that I've been in constant opposition to McCarthy as much as trying to offer changes uh, that I think are paramount to make the House work again. That is, by, by the way, bipartisan criticism. We haven't had an amendment offered in open debate on the floor of the House since May of 2016. Uh, we cannot keep spending money we don't have. We cannot continue to allow our border to be wide open, endangering Americans and immigrants. We cannot keep business as usual going. It's failing the country. And everybody agrees, frankly, both sides of the aisle. So I've got differences of opinion with colleagues across both sides of the aisle. But the one thing we need to do is change. We need the leadership and the tools to stop the swamp from running over and stepping all over the American people who want change in this town. So that's what I've been pushing for. Uh, there's still some things that might change that I could get there. Uh, but right now, I'm holding the line because I think we need this place to operate differently. And um, that's not a partisan statement. It's just something that I believe. So you want an open amendment process, which has happened in the past, but obviously yeah. leaders of Congress, especially in the majority party, don't like it because they don't like to... It, <laughs> they, it's losing control of what's going to happen and yeah. what's going to be in the legislation. You want an open amendment process. What else would you want to see happen in order for you to get to yes for... Kevin McCarthy uh, or whoever, well, let's just say Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, sure. Well, putting aside personalities, let's just take that out of it and just saying what would get me to yes is I need to make sure that the rules committee is structured in such a way that those of us who are what I would call fiscal conservatives who want to stop the sort of train of the swamp, right? The power brokers, the defense industrial complex, if you will, plus the non-defense discretionary, uh, you know, uh, folks on the other side of the aisle who want to spend more money, they all come together, as you know, you follow this town closely. We just saw it happen with a $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. Without debating the merits of any particular substance in the bill, we can't keep doing that. 
It was a 10% increase in defense, a 6% increase in non-defense discretionary, $45 billion for Ukraine, $41 billion for emergency spending. None of that extra spending was paid for. So when are we going to stop that? So we can't stop that if we don't have the tools in the Rules Committee to stop it. I'd love to have open debate. I'd love to have more amendments. With the 72-hour rule you were just talking about, that's all good stuff. But I got to take issue with one thing that Jamie talked about just a minute ago. I wish she was still on because I don't want to talk about her in the third person. But she said that we were asking for things for personal handouts, spots on committees. Well, she wasn't that- talking about you. She wasn't. We, we were very clear to distinguish you from others. We, we talked about how your opposition was based in principle having to do with rules. We were, we were talking more about uh, uh, the meeting between uh, McCarthy and Gates, Boebert, well, and, and, and but if, Perry. But if I might offer a defense of them, what was offered, or at least meant to be offered, was a, re- a response to the request from Kevin, hey, we need actual names to know what you want on certain committees. So for example, we put my name on the rules committee. Jake, I don't want to be on the rules committee if I don't have to be, because you got to fly up on Sunday, and I want to be with my family on Sunday night in Texas. But I offered to do it in order to try to advance the ball. Andy Biggs didn't want to be on appropriations, but we put his name on the list. My point is, that was offered in good faith. It's, it's unfair for Jamie to say that and then to say, oh, they want their goodies. These other guys have worked so hard. Jake, how do you think people get committees in this town? How about NRCC contributions? How about how they play in terms of fundraising? Everybody says, oh, we can't talk about how fundraising is connected to power, but you know and I know how this town works, and it is. We're trying to break the back of that. We're trying to say that we need, they say, oh, it's a meritocracy. Where's the meritocracy, with all due respect to Jamie? Um, I disagree with that. We're trying to fundamentally change the institution and importantly, have the tools and the leadership to stop the DC complex from jamming through a big bill like we saw just happen in December. So how does this end? Because where we have uh, last landed was Kevin McCarthy has actually lost a vote. He was at 203 for the first ballot and the second ballot. Now he's at 202. Uh, The rebels, uh, you included, were at 19, 19, and now you're at 20. Um, What do you think is going to happen in the fourth? Do you sense that there is momentum towards Jim Jordan away from Kevin McCarthy? Because the Republicans we've spoken to, with the exception of Congressman Donalds, who are supporting Kevin McCarthy... Uh, They say they're not going to blink either. Well, uh, I don't know, and I can't predict it. I know what I'm hearing from a lot of folks who are interested in breaking and and, and increasing the ranks of people who are willing to think about a different path. Um, I hope what will happen is that we will demonstrate that we're all convicted, that we need a different approach, uh, and then maybe we'll have an adjournment and then go step aside and let's go talk about it. That's the way things ought to operate. I've been having conversations with friends on both sides of the aisle about If we do a fourth round, do we then break and adjourn and then go have a discussion? You've been studying the history. You and I were talking about it offline. Uh, I've looked at the history. This isn't actually new. It has been 100 years. But you know what's important about that, Jake? It has, it's been 100 years because the two-party system is so entrenched in this town that we don't actually, we're not able to actually use our power as a single member of Congress to go to the House floor and have debate. I opened my speech a minute ago saying, so this is what a full chamber looks like in debate. Right, because we never do that anymore. Um, and I think that's what needs to change. That's one of the things that needs to change. One thing I wonder about is, you know, some of the things you, you, you talk about wanting, not just rules changes, including um, an open amendment process uh, and, and not just having committees just jam things full of goodies from lobbyists and, and right. the rest. But some of the other things you talk about in terms of the, the military industrial complex, et cetera, like I am quite sure that there are Democrats you could get to vote for some of those provisions if you were willing to sit down and offer a bipartisan legislation. Now, you're a very hardline conservative, 
Is that something you would be willing to do in the majority? Because I bet you would be able to find votes there that you are not able to get from other House Republicans. Well, as you knew, as you know, I've not been afraid to reach across the aisle. I passed the PPP Flexibility Act a few years ago uh, and uh, have joined with Abigail Spanberger to offer uh, legislation on stock trading. Uh, I've done a couple others. I did a bill with Hakeem Jeffries, uh, believe it or not. And so I'm always happy to have that conversation, but I'm always going to start with principle, right? Are we, are we increasing spending? Are we going to be passing more laws that I think constrict freedom, empowering bureaucrats down in Washington? And I don't want to do that. Um, I think that, you know, to your point, there is a path for us to be able to sit down, but it begins and ends for me with being able to say no to the powers that be in this town deciding everything for us. Take Ukraine, for example. Why didn't we just have a separate vote on Ukraine? I support supporting Ukraine, but I want to actually have accountability, know it's paid for, know where it's going, and I want it to be separate from the $1.7 trillion monster spending bill. We should do that. That's the way it's supposed to work from the old school, you know, Schoolhouse Rocks video. We're supposed to get down, debate it. Let's vote on Ukraine. Then let's vote on emergency spending. Then let's vote on appropriations bills for defense. Then let's vote on some other spending. And oh, by the way, how about we pay for it? Crazy idea. And I think we should put everything on the table, roll our sleeves up and do that. So what you're saying all sounds um, reasonable to many of our viewers, I'm sure. But the problem is that the 1920 rebels are not all Chip Roy. Uh, and some of them, at least in the views of some of your fellow conservatives like Jonah Goldberg, right to my left here, are just nihilists and maybe individuals who seem more interested in social media or Fox News clicks than actual governance. I, again, I'm not talking about you. Uh, and in fact, one of the reasons, as you know, that the $1.7 trillion massive omnibus spending bill passed and why so many Republicans in the Senate were willing to vote for that is because they were afraid that House Republicans are unable to govern, which is something that I don't know if I were Mitch McConnell right now that you guys have changed anyone's mind today on that. Yeah, but here's the actual dirty little secret, right? It was never about the speaker's vote. Everybody in town knows what was being said in the Senate meeting rooms, right? Mitch McConnell was saying, hey, when they have a debate about spending in February or March, we think that there'll be pushback on the spending bills. He's correct. But at the end of the day, that was what the fight was over, and that's what I want all of conservative America out there to understand. We were trying to say, hey, we should have a separate vote on Ukraine. We should have a separate vote on, on the emergency spending. We should then have an appropriations process and be able to have a debate in February or March. It wasn't about whether or not McCarthy was going to be speaker on January 3rd. It was a different point altogether. And McConnell basically laughed and said, look, we know the deal. McCarthy actually wants a nine-month bill, an extension to September 30th, but he's going to vote no and hope yes. That's what everybody in town has been saying and knowing, and I think you guys know that. Yeah, but just last point, I don't think Kevin McCarthy is alone among the House Republican caucus in wanting to vote no but hope yes. No, he's not alone, and that's part of the problem. And look, I'm trying to be a voice to say the party... Uh, I'm here to represent the constituents in Texas that I represent and people disaffected across this country looking at the swamp going, what the hell is going on while we rack up debt and destroy our country? I'm not here to choose party over the people I represent. I'm here to stand up for the people I represent. Even those, I've got a whole lot of people texting me saying, hey, keep going. I've got a few going, oh my God, you got to go cut a deal, get behind McCarthy. Look. This is how the sausage is made. It's happening in you know, real time. We're actually having a real debate with 435 people on the floor of the House. Oh, my gosh. All right, Congressman Chip Roy, Republican of Texas, one of the now 20 rebels uh, voting uh, against Kevin McCarthy for Speaker. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, really Jake. appreciate Thanks, it. Good to see you again. Anderson? Yep.
Great discussion. I want to go to Melanie Zanona, who's on Capitol Hill. Melanie, I understand you're hearing some news. I mean, the big question right now is what happens next? Obviously, there's no resolution in sight. And we are being told, me and my colleague Annie Greer and my colleague Manu Raju, that McCarthy critics are talking about making a motion to adjourn. That would wrap up the proceedings and they could regroup. They can talk about a strategy. They can try to rally around another candidate. However, that would take the requirement of 218 votes. In other words, they would need help from Democrats. And sources tell us that Democrats are undecided about how they will proceed. They are actively discussing what they would do. Now, they have said previously that they're not going to lift a finger to help Kevin McCarthy. But in this case, Anderson, Kevin McCarthy wants to keep voting. He doesn't want to make a motion to adjourn. Uh, that's because he's worried that then his critics could really start to mount a challenge. He thinks in it's, it's in his best interest to keep voting and really wear his opponents down. So we'll see what de- Democrats decide to do. Uh, there's a question about whether the critics would make this motion either after this ballot or after the fourth ballot. We'll have to wait and see. But a lot of active discussions right now about a plan B and what happens next, Anderson. Fascinating. Melanie Zanona, appreciate it. Back here with the team in New York. What would that, what would be the advantage uh, of taking a break? Well, if you're a Democrat, I don't understand why you would want to take a break. As long as the spectacle is going on, the Democrats probably figure it from a political standpoint, this is good for them. It's bad for the country, uh, bad for the Congress, but probably good for them. Let the Republicans, you know, stew in their own muck. Um, Although wouldn't taking a break amplify that? I mean, if you're a Democrat and you want it, uh, the, the Republicans it, it, it still might. You know, if they take a break, I suspect the biggest reason they'll take a break is because all their families are down there right now for swearing in day mm. and they're ignoring them. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't see the advantage to the Democrats of taking taking a break. I, re- I really don't. But I... Uh, First of all, yeah, there's more swearing than swearings in down there uh, today. It's not what people came for. But um, the, the question is, the, the players on the Republican side and how they each approach whether there should be a German or not. Um, yeah, I kind of believe McCarthy is right. I think, uh, I think it's unlikely for all the reasons we've discussed all day that if you take time off, that somehow you're going to melt, uh, what do you need, 14 14, 15 uh, votes away. I think it's more likely that people are going to start thinking about, like, what if Kevin can't make it? And what are possible combinations? I think that's the discussion that he does not want to have. So I understand why he doesn't uh, why he doesn't want to adjourn. And by the way, taking a step back, um, someone we haven't talked about in a bit is the Trump factor here. Why Kevin McCarthy is in this position is because of how Donald Trump ended his presidency, the insurrection that happened on January 6th, and then Kevin McCarthy's calculation to go down to Mar-a-Lago and to kiss the ring and bring him back into the fold. So he, by doing that, was thinking about the speakership and thinking he needed Donald Trump's support to get there. But then what that opened up was a wave of primaries that Donald Trump weighed into that ended up actually costing Republicans winnable seats, running people like Joe Kent against Jamie Herrera Butler and elsewhere. He is the overarching figure in this sort of chaos that we're seeing here. We were, I was there in 2015. We were there in 2016. There's always a few people who vote against whoever the speaker is, whether it was Boehner, Paul Ryan, or whoever. But the ability to mount this sort of a bid against a, you know, the speaker apparent, Kevin McCarthy, is purely because the Donald Trump factor in the party. And it's just continuing to throw the GOP in a chaos. Congressman, if you were sitting there and you're a Democrat, would you want to... I would be be frustrated that I have relatives uh, in the chamber. I would be frustrated, especially as an incoming member, uh, that there are swearing-in ceremonies that, that they have uh, created on their own and, and that 
hundreds of people could be going to tonight. I'm thinking of Max Frost, for example, the first Gen Z member of Congress. Uh, but from a political standpoint, Democrats should be remaining in that chamber and forcing as many of these embarrassing votes as possible. It's going to continue to strengthen Hakeem Jeffries as their minority leader. And it's going to reemphasize time and time again for the American people how incapable of governing the modern day Republican Party is. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the problem with Kevin McCarthy is nothing he has done has strengthened his hand. So this idea, if they adjourn or not adjourned, uh, that he's all of a sudden going to become everybody's favorite and get to the 2018, uh, 218, it just doesn't really make any sense. I mean, these folks are, are digging in. They seem to be digging in harder. Democrats seem to be getting uh, happier, happier uh, as this goes along. So the calculus just isn't working for him, and it hasn't worked for the past Can two months a, or two years. A question, though, if if Democrats start leaving the floor and they're not voting, that lowers threshold. the threshold, which in theory could help McCarthy, except, uh, it, you know, Jeffries is sitting there with 212 votes. McCarthy doesn't have 213. Lowering the threshold doesn't particularly help him. Uh, am I reading this wrong? Well, well, the Democrats need to stay there if for every two, so if, if 40 Democrats were not were absent, that would lower oh, the I threshold. Yeah, well, there, probably enough to his, elect McCarthy. He would lose his votes. <laughs> those would be votes for he would lose his votes too. Yeah. Look, yeah. when you're when you're in the minority, you got to take as many wins as you can when you can get them. Mm. And now, as as much as we can, I think accurately predict that there will be plenty of other embarrassing moments when it comes to passing legislation moving forward with this majority, this slim majority. That's not guaranteed. Here is here is an here is a failure unlike anything we've seen since 1923. Mm. They should be seizing on this moment for purposes of taking back the majority in 2024. Well, and by the way, I want to push back on this notion that it's purely the right flank that is holding this, you know, the House floor hostage right now. It is Kevin McCarthy who has lost three times consecutively on the floor and is refusing to pull his name out. So this is a two-way street, and there's got to be a moment where people balk within the House GOP conference and say, okay, Kevin, you clearly do not have a path to victory. Who is it going to be? Yeah, and the moderates aren't overly, you know, enthusiastic about Kevin McCarthy. I mean, we heard, for instance, from Herrera Butler and asked, you know, should Kevin McCarthy be speaker? And she said something like, well, he's worked at it and he's had <laughs> no, meetings. Nobody's worked harder for yeah, it. Yeah, and he's raised money and <laughs> well, he had meetings know, with people. I mean, she sounded very unenthusiastic. And I think a lot of the moderates feel the same way. Can't they give him a participation ribbon? <laughs> back to the question of adjournment. Now, this is unusual because the chief clerk is presiding. Now, can she recess the House for how long? I mean, you know, adjournment means they adjourn for I don't know how long, but to recess to go for, for 10 hours. Can she do that without? I mean, I don't know. I, I've never been in this situation. Whose decision would it be to adjourn? Usually, to usually to read if it, oftentimes if there was a speaker, Republican or Democratic speaker, they say we're going to recess the House until the call of the chair. And they bang the gavel and they, and they come back whenever they come back. Now, that's who makes a decision. Now, a motion to adjourn requires a vote, yes. a majority vote. Yeah, majority vote. would have yeah. to. Yeah, so that would actually mean you're, you're going to shut down operations for the House that day. Recess means you're still in session, mm. but the House is you know, officially in session, even though you're not on the floor voting. And how much at this point, I mean, is anybody twisting any arms? Well, <laughs> you would think they would be out in that. There's that little cloakroom right off the House floor. You'd think there'd be smackdown sessions going on there nonstop, but I'm not sure that that's happening right now. 
I, th- you I, know, think, I think members are, are talking amongst themselves about who their alternative is going to be to Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I mean, it, there's only so many of these instances that you can have before people say enough is enough. Kevin is being, he's acting emotionally and, mm-hmm. and understandably and in, in, in great frustration, um, you know, from the, from the perspective of his supporters. But, you know, at some point, to your point, David, like you got to just accept the fact that you're not going to get it. I think that a lot, of these, a lot of these Republican members really would like to have a confrontation that somehow establishes the uh, pr- primacy, dominance of the more moderate governing coalition here. The problem is structurally they can't. And Alyssa, you said, well, you know, it's McCarthy's fault. And I think there's plenty to fault him for. But the fact is they drove out John Boehner. Uh, you were there. They drove out Paul Ryan. Uh, this is this has become sort of a sport for the House Freedom Caucus. But again, he empowered them by continuing to continually making yes, concessions question, to them. That's question. what becomes the challenge. Without and question. he did it knowing that recent history. What, how are you going to get these guys back? I mean, he spent the last year trying to get them to vote for him. And here we are on swearing in day. And he's got 20 of them who are out of the And I think that's the Trump factor. And he thought sort of once it came down to it that they wouldn't actually be able to follow through and vote against the speaker. These guys will take a hostage. No, I think that's exactly right. But you know what? If if your dream, if the thing you've lived for, if the thing you wanted more than anything in life was to be Speaker of the House, then you do whatever you, you, you think you need to do. Uh, to be there. And that is his sin qua non. It's not about the institution. It's about becoming Speaker of the House. Well, no, he wanted no to, to do it in the worst way, and he may do it in the worst way. And, no. and you played into this language. Notice Chip Roy kept referring to the swamp, the swamp. By Kevin McCarthy allowing it to go to a third ballot and saying, I deserve it. I've been here. I've raised the most money. I've contributed the most to the NRCC. That's playing into this notion that it's more of a, you know, not a meritocracy. It's who's put the most money there. And, and, and they're playing off of that. They want to weaken and cripple him. And who knows who's going to emerge? CNN's live coverage of the historic drama still unfolding on Capitol Hill continues right after a quick break. Stay with us. Republicans in disarray. The disarray, in fact, on full display right now as Kevin McCarthy appears to have fallen short of the votes needed to be Speaker of the House for his third time today. A proverbial hat trick. Let's bring in CNN's Manu Raju live for us on Capitol Hill. So, Manu, lawmakers are having discussions about how to proceed given the fact that these have basically been three votes that have been almost the exact same in terms of Kevin McCarthy having 203 or now 202 votes. What are you hearing about what's next? Yeah, there are active discussions now underway about adjourning the House until tomorrow because of the failure to elect a speaker. That is only possible if 218 members vote for this. And McCarthy going into this vote, Jake, did not want to adjourn the chamber. He wanted to grind this through to the night, into the day and day out. But there are opponents of McCarthy who believe it would be work to their benefit to adjourn. Expect that motion to happen soon here, Jake, as the clerk here now gavels this in. Let's listen in. Let's listen to Cheryl Johnson, the clerk. The total number of votes cast is 434, of which the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received 202. (laughs) 
The Honorable Jim Jordan of the State of Ohio has received 20. No person having received the majority of the whole number of votes cast by surname, a speaker has not been elected. For what purpose does the gentleman from Oklahoma rise? Move to adjourn until noon tomorrow. The question is on the motion. All those in favor say aye. Aye. All those opposed, no. The ayes have it. The motion is adopted. The House stands adjourned until noon tomorrow. All right. The Honorable Cheryl Johnson, the Clerk of the House of Representatives, has just entertained the motion and it has received the ayes. There is an adjournment until tomorrow. We are at an impasse, at least as far as Tuesday is concerned. Uh, and uh, Jonah Goldberg, I have to say, I'm kind of surprised. I'm, I really thought that there was going to be a momentum from Kevin McCarthy or the 19 rebels or the Democrats who are clearly having the day of their, you know, the day, the day of 2023. Um, what, what do you think? I think uh, your euphemism for relieved um, is quite well taken. Because I, I think everybody was just sort of like, oh my gosh, we're really going to do this. And they were thinking about uh, having their families in town. They were, and they knew that there was not going to be any rec, you know, any settling of this now. And so it just sort of made sense to say, all right, let's figure this out and go back. I mean, I think McCarthy's going to legitimately try to stick it out because he's sort of like Richard Gere and an officer and a gentleman. He's got no place else to go, right? We, um, are there any movie references that are like... We got more this, to go. We, we, got, we got hours, we got hours to fill. We have hours to fill. But just to explain, just for, to explain for folks at home, the reason why they all have members, they have their family members here is because after the Speaker of the House is elected, and there's a few other votes, then they all get sworn in. And that's supposed to be a formality. That, that's right. To, right. And, but it's, a, it's an exciting moment, especially for the new members, but it's also a time for husbands and wives and children and parents, et cetera, to come and watch. And so I think you're exactly right. That's a, probably a big reason, because they're not going to subject their, their families to be sitting through this until midnight. Right, Jamie? They got tired. They yeah. wanted to go home, and they didn't see an end in sight. Look. This is not going in the right direction for Kevin McCarthy. 19 went to 20. It does not look like it was going to be solved this evening. And we saw also more McCarthy allies tipping the other way. It wasn't just Florida Congressman Byron Donalds who said to you in, yeah. before he even voted, quote, he doesn't have the votes. Right. But it's also Ken Buck, Pete Sessions. So I think it was time for Kevin McCarthy to regroup and everyone else had sort of had enough. One of the mysteries here, Dana, is that it has long been a truism in this town that if you are a leader, you don't call a vote unless you know that you have the votes. And yet, they called the vote and, they didn't, and Kevin McCarthy didn't have the votes. He, he knew he didn't have the votes. Yeah. He was well aware of, uh, that, that he didn't have the votes. But he also believed and still does, that nobody else has the votes. And so this is, so much of what we're seeing here is performative. It's performative. I mean, Kevin McCarthy actually wants to be speaker, and the 19, now 20, whatever, don't want him to be speaker. Rebels. Don't want him to be speaker. But you're exactly right. If if, if this was done in a way where um, 
both sides didn't want aggressively to make a point about whatever the point is. I mean, we know McCarthy wants to the, the point that maybe not McCarthy himself, but the people encouraging McCarthy to stick it out. They want to stick it to the what they call the Freedom Caucus. But I don't even think you can call it that anymore because it's smaller than the, than the, the Freedom Caucus, the rebels. And the others want to sh- say what Chip Roy said to you on the air, which is we're not going to give in because we want to change the way Washington is done. And the two represent very, very different. And we even say it's different parts of the Republican Party because it's not about Republican credo. It's about philosophy, about institutions and how to get things done and whether to get things done. I mean, it does strike me that uh, there are probably more Chip Roy's, meaning more people who have kind of specific things that they still want. And maybe if they were talked to again, uh, that there's a path forward in which there's another rules package that's more catered to them and less catered to uh, the hard no five that might uh, that might get their votes to move. And I'm not even suggesting that those votes would move to McCarthy, but somebody has to come up with a rules package that would satisfy those people, too. And those votes need to move to someone. Uh, So I wonder if in the hours to come between today and tomorrow, there is more conversation about the specific things that the people who are not uh, voting against McCarthy because they really just don't like him and don't trust him, maybe like the Chip Roy's and others, there are several freshmen in the ranks of the 20 uh, Byron Donalds has said he may vote for McCarthy again. Uh, it, it, it's, an, it's a bit of an open door, but, uh, but it's still a tall hill to climb, not just for McCarthy, but for a compromise figure who we still have not identified. We still don't know who right. that person could be. And honestly, I really don't know if it is, a, it is truly a Jim Jordan. Uh, it might have to be someone else. I think what's interesting is you know, 30 minutes ago, I was texting with a House Republican who said Kevin McCarthy wants us to stay. He wanted them to keep voting. As of this morning, they said one vote or 100 votes. Yeah. We will keep voting for Kevin McCarthy. But we saw how the momentum was changing. Byron Donalds you know, was the one who did switch his vote from Kevin McCarthy to Jim Jordan. So you are seeing a momentum shift in that. Whether or not it's enough remains to be seen. But I do expect there to be a big push in the next few hours. The allies of former President Trump are very angry with these Republican hardliners who are pushing back against Trump. They are saying that this is embarrassing, this is chaotic, you know, this is what it looks like when Republicans are in charge. That push is likely expected to continue while they and are yet, adjourned. where is Donald Trump? I mean, he Notice could, he's been silent today. He, and he, he hasn't said anything. arms, and he has not... Twisted. He has said he supports McCarthy, but he has not. He will not spend arms. his capital. So we he will, will see. not spend his capital yeah. on anything. Well, so he was on the phone except for himself, people. right? Except well, we right. saw that in the midterms. So he was on the phone with people last night. I'll just say quickly, but they, he was saying last night he's going to stay on the sidelines as today was happening. I talked to one Republican who said that's incredibly unlikely that's going to remain the case. But it's interesting because these these twenty Republicans are probably 20 of the most MAGA Republicans that there are. Right. So Donald Trump could use his influence. Absolutely. And in no small way, he has empowered and created them. So he's kind of like on both sides of this, which is not the first time he would be on Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is sort of my point about how it's, this is much more about nihilism and performative disruption in it than anything else. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene is as MAGA as they come, and she's for Kevin McCarthy. And Lauren Boebert is an equal, a co-equal MAGA. And she's against them. And it's... They're like feuding now, though. They hate each other. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. fun to watch. But um, the, you know, 
I agree with most of almost everything Chip Roy had to say about the problems with Congress. I think that uh, we need to get back to regular order. We need to have committee chairs have power. We need to have real rules that allow legislation. Is, legislating is supposed to be a process of discovery, and we don't have that anymore. Nancy Pelosi imposed policies. Paul Ryan did it. A lot of this comes from Newt Gingrich. I agree with all of that. The problem is that there's just this huge non sequitur between these complaints and why I am voting against Kevin McCarthy. Right. But like, I wouldn't like. Jim Jordan's not going to change any of that. So let's let's bring in somebody who knows these crowds, all of these crowds very well. Mick Mulvaney, the former acting chief of staff for former President Trump and a former Republican congressman from South Carolina who was a member of the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, Mr. Mulvaney, good to see you, Congressman. Um, this fight with the, within the Republican Party goes back to when you were first elected to the House in the Tea Party wave in 2010. You were a leader of the Freedom Caucus. We even ran for speaker yourself in 2013. 2015, you voted for Boehner as speaker, though you had reservations. Tell us how you see this playing out. Yeah, I don't think I ran for speaker in 2013, but all the rest of that stuff is right. Okay. So anyway, I didn't, didn't vote for Boehner, but I certainly didn't vote for myself. Your name was floated, I should say. <laughs> Your name was floated as a possible speaker candidate, oh, I should that, say. That's very flattering. Um, how does it shake out? Honestly, if it's not Kevin, I don't know who it is. And that's the conversation I've been having with these 19 Nevin Ke- uh, Never Kevin folks, many of them are my friends today, which is, guys, what, what's the plan here? If not Kevin, then who? And every time they give me a name, Jim George's name has come up. They nominated Jim George. Jim Jordan can't get elected speaker. Keep in mind, any group of five or six effectively have a veto power right now. So it's almost going to have to be unanimous. And as much as I like Jim Jordan, Jim and I worked together for six years. We started the Freedom Caucus together. I'm a huge Jim Jordan fan. But you're telling me there's not five or six moderate Republicans who wouldn't accept Jim Jordan as speaker and wouldn't, I think more importantly, empower the right wing of the party and reward them for for this sort of behavior. No, I just don't see that happening. I think it's either Kevin or somebody that we don't even know about who's more to the center of my party or a compromised person who's a Democrat. I, I just don't see how these folks who are MAGA Republicans, again, it's not the Freedom Caucus folks, the majority of the Freedom Caucus voted for Kevin McCarthy today every single time on every single vote, the majority of, of the caucus. So it's not a Freedom Caucus thing versus Kevin McCarthy. It's a, it's, a, it's a group of people who happen to be in the Freedom Caucus, and I just don't see how anybody that they would find acceptable has the votes to get speaker. I think it's Kevin or nobody. So you heard uh, Congressman Chip Roy, or maybe you didn't hear Congressman Chip Roy, but you've heard him over the last few days and weeks. Yeah talking about what he wants, and he seems to want like a more open amendment process. He wants conservative representation on the House Rules Committee, etc. I can't necessarily discern what the other 18 want. Congressman uh, Byron Donalds just wants this to be over, obviously. But in terms of the other 18, is there an agenda there that you can tell other than they don't like Kevin McCarthy and they like to shake things up? No, I, I think that's it. I think they really just don't like Kevin, and they like the attention. They like the chaos. They're on TV more in the last 48 hours than they've been from any of them in their entire careers. I listened to what Chip had to say. I like Chip. I respect Chip. But um, much of what he's asked for, Kevin has already offered him. A lot of the things he's complaining about, for example, the way the $1.7 trillion omnibus was, was, was handled, was handled by Nancy Pelosi. And some of the things he's asking for, Kevin's not in a position to give. For example, they want specific people on committees. That's not how the Republican caucus works. The speaker doesn't populate the committees. The members vote on who goes on the committees. And they're asking Kevin to give them something he can't give them. I think um, I wasn't in the meeting today during the House Republican conference meeting before the vote, but I understand that Kevin got up and said, what more do you want? And the answer was essentially, we just don't want you. So I don't think this is about policy. In fact, I know it's not about policy. I don't think it's about practice. 
when we voted against John Boehner, we did it because he was trying to marginalize, in our opinion, the conservatives. Kevin McCarthy wants to make Jim Jordan the committee, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. This is something we would never have dreamed of under John Boehner. So I don't think it's it's practical. I don't think it's policy. I just think it's, it's a combination of they don't like Kevin and they like the attention. And that's a really, really bad way to run a speaker race. So I understand that you don't think bad behavior should be rewarded, but... We are now in a place as a country that we have not been in since 1923 uh, with somebody running for speaker and not winning on the first ballot, second ballot, third ballot. Who knows how long this is going to go? At what point do you start thinking, I don't know that Kevin McCarthy can you know, win, and even if he can, I don't know that he can be the speaker effectively given the fact that he can't even get this done. No, I think that's a fair point. I think that's, that's one likely outcome. It's either Kevin or somebody less acceptable to me as a conservative uh, than Kevin. Let's, I'll use a name, and it's a guy that I like, and he knows I like him, so I'm not beating up on him. Let's say that Fred Upton is sort of this compromised candidate that a group, a large group of moderate Republicans come together with Democrats and say, look, Kevin doesn't have the votes. They can't elect anybody because they won't take anybody to the right of Kevin. Jim Jordan doesn't have the votes. Um, you know, run down the good conservatives. They don't have the votes. We need a speaker. Will you vote with us with Fred Upton? Um, that's, not, that's got to be an undesirable outcome, and Fred wouldn't mind me saying that, from a really conservative standpoint. So there's a way that bad behavior wouldn't be rewarded. It would actually be punished, and that's what I'm afraid is one of the outcomes that might happen under these circumstances. So here's another question for you. Uh, Donald Trump and his team are clearly behind Kevin McCarthy. Um, It took them a little while to get there, but they're there. Donald Trump also wields incredible influence with these 19 or 20 rebels. Um, In some cases, he created them. He's responsible for them. He's their muse. Where is he? Where is Donald Trump? Because this obviously is, whether or not it's bad for the country, it's definitely bad for House Republicans. Yeah, look, where is he? Who knows, right? But where he's he perceived as being, because in this business, perception is often reality. I don't know if he's on the phone calling Dan Bishop. You know, he got Dan Bishop elected. Dan Bishop was one of the Never Kevin people. I don't know if he's calling Dan Bishop. But I do know this, is that it's perceived that Donald Trump is for Kevin McCarthy because he's been with him up at this point, and I have no reason to think he's against him right now. If, if, if Kevin McCarthy loses, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a mark against Donald Trump, yet another mark against Donald Trump. He'll be perceived as being even weaker than he was coming out of the midterms. So the other person who stands to lose here, because he is invested in Kevin, is Donald Trump. i got to think that Trump knows that, um, and he's going to be working behind the scenes. Again, I don't have any information one way or the other, but I think you could say uh, without reservation that if, 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 if McCarthy loses, one of the bigger losers here is Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's... Unusual that he's been more critical of the cast of Hamilton than he has of these 20 rebels. But that's another story for another time. Uh, former Congressman and White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We're following all the historic drama on Capitol Hill as rebellious hardliners reject Republican leader Kevin McCarthy. On three consecutive ballots, our live coverage continues right after this quick break. Breaking news this hour, the House of Representatives has adjourned for the day after a wild process where Republican leader Kevin McCarthy failed to secure enough votes to become the House Speaker three different times. This has not happened since 1923. Let's bring in Republican Congressman Pete Sessions of Texas. He voted for McCarthy on all three ballots. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us Um, I'm wondering if you are in a place where you're starting to think 
there should be a different candidate, not Jim Jordan, not Kevin McCarthy, somebody that the entire, or at least 218 of you, can coalesce around? Well, I think that's a conversation that's taking place about how do we get out of the mess. And I think how do we get out of this uh, is is an, a question that comes about as a result of a desire that the 20 people, 19, 20 people have who are solid in their belief that they would want something that they could count on, something that they uh, can not just take back home, but know that the American people will have a solid understanding that they will achieve the things that are important to our party, but also these 19 people. So I think that is why we are in adjournment. I think that is the conversation that's gonna take place tonight. And then it's to be seen what happens. Allies of uh, GOP leader McCarthy say he has acquiesced to almost everything he could give these rebels, uh, changing the rules, making it easier to get rid of the speaker uh, with a motion to vacate on the floor, uh, making it easier to to build, bring bills to the uh, floor of the House for amendments and the like. Uh, you, you just heard maybe uh, former Congressman Mulvaney say, it's not up to Kevin McCarthy or any speaker to promise people that they'll be on certain committees. That's for the entire Republican caucus to vote on. Um, and some of the questions are, why won't these rebels take yes for an answer? But it doesn't sound like that's what you think. It sounds like you think they need more and they, and they should get more. Well, I, th- I think that, you know, peeling back the onion, you see that there's much more behind that. And I think the problem is agreement about what the agenda will be. A, a, a question about, uh, as a Texan, we are concerned. I voted for Kevin, would be for Kevin. We need a speaker. We need to get on with the, the majority. But I think that there are conversations that these 19 people have about the resolve, about cutting a deal that would be less than getting what they want and need. And I, I think it's resolve is what it comes down to. I think that's their sticking point. I guess one of the other questions I have is, let's say um, we've heard a number of times um, from Chip Roy earlier, but also on the floor from Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise about some of the issues that are important to conservatives, to Republicans, to Texans, to Americans in general. Let's say border security, which is obviously a humanitarian crisis. Let's say the fentanyl uh, problem going on in this country, which is horrific. Whatever, whoever is Speaker of the House, and I don't know, I can't imagine that a Speaker Jim Jordan or a Speaker Scalise would be demonstrably much different from a Speaker McCarthy. But whoever it is, is still going to have to deal with the fact that Senate Majority Leader is named Chuck Schumer, not Mitch McConnell, and the President of the United States is named Joe Biden, not Donald Trump. So whoever the Speaker is, compromises are going to have to be made, no? Well, Jake, you're you're a savvy insider. You know this. Article 1, Section 7 comes into play with a new fiscal year that is not till October. So the things that happen then would be where we would negotiate that. But there's much to be done between now and then. And I guarantee you it is hardball, and it's hardball directly, directly at this president and directly at this administration. And I think that cooler heads can prevail about how we peel back that onion and there would be room to understand if we could get a solid agreement on a border, we, we could certainly do something about this fentanyl issue. We could do something about all the cities, 
hundreds of cities in this country are having problems directly because of the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. and, and this needs to be resolved for the country too. So I, I think there is room. I think there's room. It will require someone that wants to go and actually play hardball. And that's what these 19 are doing. Am I reading you correctly that it sounds like your mind is, op is open for who, how you're going to vote on the fourth ballot? Well, once again, Jim Jordan voted for Kevin McCarthy. It's going to take Jim Jordan to see some bit of light about what he sees a pathway is of what this is about. Kevin McCarthy voted for Kevin McCarthy. Jim is voting for Kevin. So I, I think until people come with a clear sense of what is it going to take for us to get to 218, we're going to be in this uh, sort of uh, round robin. And that's what I think this cooler heads will prevail tonight to clear people up on where we are and what it's going to take. All right, Congressman Sessions, so good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's talk about this with the panel. It sounded to me, if I can bring out my politician to English, English to politician <laughs> dictionary, it sounded to me like he was saying, I'm waiting for Jim Jordan to throw his hat into the ring. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know. No, you don't. You don't. Well, I, I think, you know, to quote the Talmud, if I'm not going to be for, <laughs> if I'm not going to be for myself, who, who will be for me, True. right? If even Jim Jordan is voting for Kevin McCarthy, right. it's kind of weird to expect everyone else to vote for Jim Jordan. Right. right. I think that was sort of his point. And I think, you know, Mick Mulvaney made the point earlier. There's just literally no way you're going to get enough votes for Jim Jordan to be speaker. This, this feels very mm -hmm. uh, government shutdown circuit 2013, where you had all these Republicans saying, well, of course you can repeal Obamacare with only 40 votes in the Senate. Yeah. No, you can't. No, you, you can't. Know, and, and similarly, they think they can get Jim Jordan elected when they only have, right now he only has 19 votes and he's not even voting for himself. So we only have about three minutes left, so quick thoughts. Couple of lessons. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi would not have let this happen. She knows how to count votes. Uh, Kevin and to McCarthy, beat down challenges early. Right. Kevin McCarthy had a month to do this. He couldn't close the deal. I, I'm going to just say I don't think he's going to. And I think that there are other candidates other than Jim Jordan or Kevin McCarthy to come. Do you have any thoughts on who them? Look, I think Steve Scalise is a possibility. And I think there are some dark horse candidates that we've heard names floated in the conference that that could still come up. I defy you to find another news network where the same show quotes Tin Cup, Tin Cup and Hillel in the same <laughs> Well done. Um, I, I think it's possible that there's a dark horse because, you know, we have seen that. We haven't seen it play out on the floor, but pre-floor, uh, when Newt Gingrich was ousted and they were looking for a consensus Oops. candidate, yeah. you know. It, turned out, it turned out it was a child molester, but okay, yes. True, uh, <laughs> convicted. Uh, but that did happen. And so there is, it's a very different Republican world. It's a very different political world now. But there is precedent for that kind of thing if Kevin McCarthy can't get the votes. Look, Even though I will say, just real quick, I've talked to several Republicans who insist that there are 60 to 70 who will just keep voting for Kevin McCarthy until and unless he pulls himself out. Yeah, I mean, look, 
at this point, there has to be some kind of dark horse candidate. It could literally be anyone. It, it, um, listening to Chip Roy, it almost sounded like what he, was ba- what he was saying was that they need to prove to Jim Jordan that Jim Jordan can win. And they might have to do that because, I mean, Jordan is not going to put his stick his neck out there if he can't get to 218. And I think at the moment, that's not entirely clear. Uh, he wouldn't be the first politician to basically go to his supporters and say, OK, prove it to me that you have that you can get the support and then I'll be I'll be ready to ready to go. So in the immortal words of Omar, if you come for the king, you best not miss. Exactly. (laughs) And I mean, look, that is true, not just of Jim Jordan, but also of Scalise and also of all Mm -hmm. these other folks. Nobody wants to go at McCarthy, even though he's not that powerful of a figure, unless they know they he's still the most powerful as of now. I think the thing to watch is what happens with Trump. He hasn't said anything today publicly about Kevin McCarthy. That's noticeable silence from someone who has been paying attention to this. And if he comes out and declines or rescinds his endorsement of Trump or of McCarthy for speaker, I think that's notable on what could happen potentially tomorrow when they reconvene at noon. Well, he, he, likes to, he likes to feel the winds, I think. Exactly. He, he, He's not loyal to him at there. all. I think it's something to watch. Thanks very much for watching. Wolf Blitzer and Aaron Renat pick up CNN's live coverage's, uh, coverage of this historic drama taking place in the House of Representatives right after this quick break. Stay with us. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 